Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Look, y'all know we harp on it a lot. You need a good pair of binos. Yeah, I never hunted with binos until I was almost into my 20s. I never did it when I was a teenager or anything like that. Or when I was a kid, we never had binos. And when I bought my first pair of Vortex binos, the first binos I ever purchased back in like 2015, it immediately made a huge difference for me, especially in the turkey woods. So give yourself the advantage of a good pair of binos this spring, whether you're looking for more of like an entry-level bino like the Vortex Diamondbacks or something really, really nice like the Razors. Vortex is going to have something for you. And hey, don't pay full price for it. Use our discount code at eurooptic.com. Use the code SGN10 to get a discount on any Vortex optics that you want to order. Again, that's eurooptic.com, code SGN10 to go get a discount on any Vortex product you order. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the EcoWild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar, May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you and we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. 
If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman. Now let's get to the episode. Presented by Hunting Exchange, a marketplace for serious hunters by serious hunters. Welcome back, everybody, to another Listener Success Story episode from the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. And happy Friday to everybody. Got a really interesting Listener Success Story coming to you guys this week from Oklahoma. We have Jordan Cass on the podcast, uh, who just killed an absolute giant buck, which we're going to get into. Uh, and also, to make it even more special, uh, it also was his uh, first buck uh, ever. But Jordan, to kind of kick us off, brother, first of all, how are you doing, man? And how do you feel after killing this giant deer? Man, I'm I'm doing real well. Uh, I got to tell you, man, it, uh, killing that deer is probably the best thing I've I've done uh, in a long time, especially doing it by myself. Uh, I didn't do it with any help. I found him. I killed him on my own. Man, I, a lot of work is put into that, and 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 I could not be more proud. Awesome. Well, dude, again, congratulations. And we're going to really dive down the rabbit hole on, on this hunt and and really kind of the, everything that got to this point, but. Uh, to give us a little background, Jordan, I want you to kind of talk about, you know, how long have you been hunting and what's kind of gotten you to this point, uh, as in, uh, when it comes to, uh, hunting in general? Well, I actually started hunting, uh, this summer, I uh, started out hunting small game, hunting squirrel. I got a little Ruger, uh, 22 caliber air rifle and I've been taking that thing out to the woods and popping heads with it, man. Uh, and it's a lot of fun hunting squirrels and I love it, but, uh. What really got me into it was uh, just watching the show Meat Eater and a uh, big fan of watching the, uh, listening, watching to the JRE uh, in there. He's a bow hunter and he's got guys like Cameron Haynes on there and, and they talk about bow hunting and it really got me uh, really curious. Uh, and then I got a buddy, uh, Jonathan, he's a, he's a pretty veteran I'd say he's a veteran bow hunter and he kind of, I was kind of teetering on the edge and man, he, he kind of pushed me over the edge and. I caved and uh, here I am, man. Oh, Hunter. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. First off, you mentioned uh, old JRE, Joe Rogan Experience, man. That's an excellent podcast. And yeah, that one he just did with Clay uh, or Cameron Haynes uh, was an interested one, too, kind of going down the rabbit hole. Anytime they start talking bow hunting and archery, it's, it's hilarious because I always feel for the people that like, Look, looking from the looking from the inside out, like you know, being you know, understanding bow hunting. If you didn't understand any of that, when they start going down the rabbit hole on some of those conversations, people are like, "What the heck is they? What are they talking about?" And even I think uh, Joe actually mentioned that uh, early on the podcast about getting distracted talking archery and everything else. Um, but that's interesting, dude. So this is your first season ever hunting, not even first bow season, but just first time ever hunting was this year, this season, uh, which is pretty uh, immense. I'll say that because. You know, you're coming from a different perspective, which I want to dive into before we start talking a little bit more about, you know, how the show possibly helped you and everything else. But um, coming from someone who didn't previously hunt, you know, what were some of those curiosity factors that really kind of got you into it? Of course, you heard some of these other people, you know, like Meat Eater, Stephen Rinella, and those guys, you know, showcasing, you know, uh, hunting and along with uh, Joe Rogan. But, you know, what was some of the other reasons kind of got you into it? And with your buddy that kind of pushed you over the edge, what were like those first learning steps and uh, kind of moving forward to get into bow hunting? Well, uh, my best friend Dalton, different buddy, uh, we went to high school together. Uh, his dad, uh, he actually hand makes uh, long bows, self bows, but he he had this old recurve that uh, they had actually purchased. I'm not quite sure how they came about it, but he ended up giving it to me, and I was just just researching about it. It's a uh, 1975 Browning Wasp. I mean, it's an old vintage recurve bow. 
Uh, I took it up to the local archery shop. It didn't have a string on it. Got it strung up and started flinging arrows out of it. And man, I started falling in love with that thing. And and I shot that thing, man, for months and months and months. And uh, it's been almost a year, I'd say, since I started shooting it. And ever since, man, I've been hooked. And uh, I just recently, a month ago, got my compound bow. I got a 2020 Elite Ember. Awesome bow. And uh, man, I... Man, that that bow is my pride and joy. I love that thing, and I mean, I, I'm. It, it's one of those things where uh, you start something and you're new at it, and the more you do it, the more more you get, you know, obsessed. And like right now, it's just like a full blown obsession. Just and I, I've completely fallen in love with archery. So a, a couple things there. So first off, you know, going into this season, you had to learn to shoot a bow, okay, and then not only that, but you had to learn you know, when it came to hunting and, and reading a sign and picking that kind of stuff up, did you have any background when it came to like being in the outdoors? I mean, did you grow up, you know, fishing or hiking or anything like that? I grew up fishing. I actually fished a lot. My mom, she loves fishing. Uh, and she's got a pond out where she lives and she's out there all day long fishing. Uh, that, that's, that's probably the biggest thing as far as, uh, actual, you know, wildlife related. But, uh, when I was 18, I graduated high school. I joined the army, uh, and I joined the Oklahoma Army National Guard as an infantryman. And a big thing with infantry is land terrain, uh, map reading, you know, learning to read the land from a map and terrain association, all this stuff. So uh, that's where I learned how to read a map. And I mean, that was, that's definitely a good advantage that I had uh, as far as being able to navigate the outdoors. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So almost kind of coming into it, you know, a little bit different just because of, you know, when you got in hunting, but having that military background, kind of like what you heard about, uh, any listeners on this, that listen to this week's episode, uh, with Clifton Denny, uh, kind of his military background talking about topo maps and everything else and kind of how that plays a big factor in his approach in hunting. Uh, but that's kind of interesting. So yeah, kind of the military background probably helped out a ton when it came to map reading because that's probably the biggest thing I see is when someone does not understand how to read a topo map and the first time they look at it, it's like, I mean, it's very intimidating, um, which, I mean, I, I understand. Uh, but it's one of those things that once you've done it for so long, you kind of think back and, like, I don't remember the first time I ever saw Topo Map. Like, I can't remember, like, what that first uh, thought was because now it's been doing it for so long. But uh, I can see how that could be very challenging for somebody new. But, again, your military background definitely helped out with that a ton. So that is awesome. But let's talk a little bit more about this. I want to dive into, first off, you know, how long have you been a listener to the podcast uh, and then also, you know, what have been some of those impactful episodes for you since you've been listening? Well, I've been, uh, you know, I'd practiced with my bow all summer long and, uh, it, it was probably mid June when I decided that I'm, I'm going all in with this. I'm going to, I'm going to hunt with this bow. I'm going to kill a deer with this bow and uh, I'm going to get into it. And I start researching, you know, trying to figure out how to pattern deer the kinds of sign and i ended up stumbling across uh, episode 267 and it's uh looking at buck bedding with a gps data and uh man that podcast was awesome for me because i had no idea at all where uh bucks bedded or where you could find any type of deer and uh listen to that podcast man it really opened my eyes uh in my particular area where i hunt there's not a lot of hilly terrain it's pretty flat but in the future uh, actually in, uh, 10 days from now, we're going to go to the Washington national forest and hunt the mountains there. And man, it, that podcast had me dropping blips all <laughs> over the map. I mean, I learned so much about that, 
it was it man that, that was that's really what turned me onto the podcast and ever ever since man i've been a pretty steady listener that's, that's awesome yeah that's uh i'll say it was eye-opening for us too you know it's, it's one thing when you go you talk to all these different people uh, especially you know us been doing this uh almost gonna be four years in february and you talk to so many different people and so many different guys had different theories on on you know betting and just location of bucks travel and it's different or it really is eye-opening when you get access to gps data uh kind of like what we've done with bill thompson uh, from spartan forge along just with some uh, studies that we've got our hands on uh, that is uh, publicly available and really started breaking down and building our own maps, Andrew building our own maps of, you know, point by point of, you know, these bucks travel uh, throughout the season. And it's, uh, it's extremely eye opening, you know, how different, but also how similar some of the things that you've heard previously in the past uh, could be with those deer, um, which again, you coming into it, you're coming as a green, you know, as a blank slate, which is great because you don't have a lot of probably preconceived notions, but when someone comes in with 20 plus years of experience, and then they hear that podcast and they see the data, uh, you know, for some people it might be a really good thing. And other people are like, well, that's completely opposite of what I've uh, previously have thought happened, uh, especially when it comes to, the, you know, traveling, you know, potentially with or without wind uh, advantage and a bunch of other things as well. So that's very, very interesting, especially for your first episode, especially that was probably very eye opening for you of maybe like how in depth some of this stuff could get. Cause I mean, was that something that was overwhelming for you at all when you first got into it? And even right now, I mean, does it still feel overwhelming of like just all the information that you're trying to take in, especially being extremely green and kind of learning to become a, not only a good hunter, but a good woodsman. You know, it, it really wasn't too bad for me. Uh, I had a head start, you know, understanding how to read a topo map and all that. And it's kind of funny listening to that podcast and then uh, I hear some of the old school hunting guys that I've talked to and they'll they'll tell me some stuff. And I think back to the podcast, I'm like, mm, that's not really right, you know, but but me being green, a new hunter, you know, I don't really know much, you know, <laughs> so I, I, you know, I just leave, leave it at that. Let them tell, tell me what they think they could, you know, give me some advice. But uh, yeah, I man, I had a, had my foot in the door, I think, already and an advantage with that ability to read a map i think and that just helped me put so many pieces together now let me ask this what are some of the other episodes that's been kind of impactful for you or just different things that you kind of keyed in on like oh man that was kind of interesting and kind of you know gone down even a, a deeper as you know i would say on the podcast a rabbit hole uh, to kind of figure more stuff out well uh previous experiences out in the woods i've i've had some pretty close encounters with uh with does i've gotten up stocked up on them within you know 15 20 yards and uh, I've, I've had the wind in my favor or, or so I thought, you know, and somehow I would, I would spook these deer and they would just run off and listening to the episode, uh, number 300 with Clifton Denny, he talked about, you know, the direction of the wind and how it actually funnels through areas and how, if it hits you, it'll bounce off and kind of have like a fallout to it. And, uh, when I heard that, man, I, I really started to understand, you know, you might, you know, the, the swirling wind thing is it, not really uh as big of a deal as people make it it's more of the the wind bouncing off of you you know it and we often think that we're not something that the wind is gonna bump into and reflect off of but being close to those does and having the wind and then somehow just they wind you you know when you're in like an open area just man that's that that was a real open uh, eye-opener for me 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was an interesting episode. We've had a ton of feedback so far since that episode came out on Monday, uh, episode 300 with Clifton Denny. And it's been interesting to kind of see how many people have written into the show and sent us emails or just messages and saying, you know, how eye-opening, just like you, like, you know, how eye-opening that was. Um, and that's something that he does for, you know, a living. He deals with, you know, wind currents and airflow and everything else for a living, um, kind of his military background as well. And, you know, kind of applying that to the field, you know, has worked out quite well and how he's built up a lot of these different theories that he's kind of gone out there and at least, uh, you know, locally kind of, you know, proven his point uh, of, again, you know, how some of this stuff affects, you know, with the wind currents and everything else and the wind velocities. I found that very, very interesting. Dude, I was all in on that episode. That's one of the things I, you can oh, yeah. you can really nerd out. <laughs> I always tell people this. Deer hunting, hunting in general, but especially deer hunting, it could be as simple or you can make it as complex and nerd out on it as much as you want. I mean, there are guys that are extremely, you know, successful. They've got their family farm, at least whatever. They go sit on the, the, the food plot, corn pile, and that's perfectly fine. I, I love you for doing it. It's awesome. But, you know, then you have, the, like, the flip side of guys that are, like, Clifton Denny. That's, I mean, coming at it from almost like a scientific perspective of, you know, wind currents and stuff. And it's just like, again, I, I nerd out on that kind of thing. And I, I'm sure probably from you listening to it, it probably made you kind of really start thinking like, okay, there's a lot more to this than just, you know, oh, yeah. just looking at your app and saying, okay, which way is the wind blowing? I mean, it's a lot more complex yeah. than that. Yeah. And that, uh, the thing I thought was the coolest, how he talked about the, the wind ramping up, you know, the higher the wind speed, the, the more it'll ramp up and the further down the mountain it'll go. And, and that to me, that was so awesome. Cause you can, I mean, you can almost pinpoint almost exactly on those ridges where these bucks are going to be cruising. And that to me is incredible. So I, I almost want to see, you know, you said you're going to be going to the wash is coming up in, uh, you know, about 10 days or so, man, I don't know. You using a little bit of that Clifton Denny advice, man, going out there and tagging a nice buck, dude. Uh, had to have you I'm back on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. I I heard I heard that part of the podcast, and I was thinking, oh man, I can't wait to get yeah. out, there. Sit, <laughs> sit below these saddles, and see what's going to happen. Oh yeah, absolutely. I can't wait. You're like, oh, it's game time now. Listen, we, we're going all in. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, well, okay, so kind of look at this. I, I really want to talk about the hunt and talk about the perspective of everything and what kind of have happened. Uh, when it came to, you know, you being successful. Because the thing is, I think, you know, all the listeners right now, unless they are a newer hunter where, you know, they've only been hunting for a couple of years, it's hard to kind of think back, you know, to the, the first time you really started getting into hunting. Because for the most part, I'll say this for, you know, probably a majority of people, you know, over 50% probably got into hunting as a child, you know, from a parent or an uncle or somebody, grandparent, somebody got them into hunting as a child. And, you know, a lot of your first memories, you might remember that, but it's completely different when you're a, a grown adult and you're coming at it with, you know, a, a different kind of a mindset on life. Uh, and that's the really interesting thing I find from, you know, guys like yourself who are kind of coming into hunting as what some people would call like a later onset hunter and, and really kind of diving in on that. But, you know, let's talk a little bit about this hunt. So can you talk a little bit about your season so far? I mean, you just killed this big deer and we're going to really dive into it, but like, you know, what was like your progression of this season so far? I mean, were you able to hunt much and what were some of those highs and some of the lows so far this bow season before you actually shot this deer? Oklahoma archery opens up October 1st and we've got a, a, uh, either sex tag for archery. So it's awesome. You can buy one tag and it, it covers male or female. Awesome. Awesome way they do it. Uh, but anyways, uh, I hunt out, hunt out to this place. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a bottom real real bottomy you know it's connected to a lake uh it, it's all run down 
the hill from private land where this uh, public is, and man, it, it's just so flat, and it's covered in uh, oak flats and fields, and there's creeks that run through it. And man, I've been I've been all around that place, and I I, I was really having trouble uh, dialing in on on deer sign. I could find, I, I search every field edge or finger of timber and I'd find a little bit, you know, some deer tracks here and there. And, but never, I, I saw deer sign, but I never found any type of buck sign. And to me, that was just really frustrating. I had a few moments where I got in on some does, but never close enough to really pull off a shot. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it's been kind of a learn, learning experience, uh, I'd say the most notable experience I had, I got in on this doe and I was probably 10 yards away from her, but she was on the other side of a thicket and I could see her, but I just couldn't get a shot on her. And I just sat there and waited and, uh, and that wind hit me just right. And, and she winded me and ran off. And, um, that was probably one of the more frustrating or frustrating areas, uh, out there. Cause a lot of it's real flat and open, open timber. But uh, one thing that I finally keyed in on, and, and I cannot remember uh, exactly where I'd heard this, but, uh, you know, deer, a lot of times when they're pressured, I mean, they like to go where nobody else will go, where they're not going to see people. And uh, one day I, I went out kind of still hunting on these uh, along this creek, and I started seeing these heavy crossings, like several crossings. Uh, and, and right there, it just kind of all clicked. And I, I'm thinking, man, these these deer are pressured, so they're running across the creeks where nobody's ever going to find them. And, and I mean, that's I think it was probably five hunts it took me to piece that all together. Awesome. So, so you really kind of built upon you know kind of some you know, learning experiences, some failures. And well, I mean, when, when I say failures, the most successful guys we have on the podcast have failed a untold number of times to, to get to where they're at. And that's the thing is with anything in life, you're going to have to fail to the point that you start having success and you figure out, and even when you start having success, you're still going to fail. Um, but you started having some hunts where you were seeing deer, you're getting on deer, but you still weren't closing the, the, the deal as some people would say, but you started keying in on, you know, you couldn't find the buck sign, but you found these corridors, these travel crossings on these, on this Creek and really keyed in on that. And let me ask you, was there anything notable about where they were crossing it compared to, you know, other parts of the Creek when you were walking down it? Well, uh, what was crazy to me is, uh, the Creek that runs through, is called Cole Creek. And, uh, the crossings, I mean, they were pretty beaten down, but man, once they get down to the Creek, I mean, it's a drop off and these, I mean, these deer, they, they cross it. No problem. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm looking down, I'm like, man, how am I going to get across this? You know, and that's how they, that's how they escape that pressure, man. They, they go where nobody else is willing to go. Yeah, absolutely. Well, to talk a little bit more about this. Let me ask you this: as a new bow hunter, it seems like you're doing a lot of ground hunting. Was that? I mean, when you kind of got into this, I mean, was there any use of you know stands or saddles or anything like that, or was it pretty much strictly just, hey, I'm going to ground hunt and just see what I can do? Well, a lot of it was. Uh... I mean, just coming from no hunting background, I mean, I have nothing, man. I, I, I don't have any type of equipment or nothing. All, I've got my bow, I've got some arrows, and i got some binoculars. I mean, that's that's all I had. So for me, it was, it was more trying to find a good spot where they might be funneling and setting up on that or trying to still hunt my way just to get into the deer. That, that, that's been my goal is just to find where they're at, you know, not necessarily 
set up and sit in a certain spot but more more of just to actually find where the deer are at because i was having trouble just finding deer I, I mean i wouldn't find anything and and i don't think i saw a single buck while i was out there uh, i saw several several does but and some fawns but man i never found found any bucks out there and, and i mean that's that's the biggest reason why it's why i was on the ground because i just didn't have a stand uh but uh, the the day I decided to cross that creek, I'd actually borrowed some waders and a a climbing lone wolf climber stand from a buddy, and uh, well, <laughs> that's what I used for that day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, um, you know that's that's a really good point. I just thought about and just with what you were saying is, you know, being a new hunter, you know, not really having the equipment. That's another thing. Like I just can't take it. Like I guess I don't appreciate you know just years and just decades of this, you know having a bunch of gear that you uh, bought throughout the years and probably a lot of listeners too so if you were getting into this new and fresh i'm like oh my gosh there's so much crap i have now i'm like first of all, i'd be super expensive to buy everything that, that i had this accumulated over you know multiple decades but also the aspect of like not knowing necessarily what you need and also going into an area like this which you know you didn't really have any past experience there so trying to quote unquote kind of scout your way through an area because you can't hunt deer and kill a deer until you find them and uh, we've had guests on, I'm thinking like Richard Fott's one that comes to mind. Um, episode, the most recent episode, I think it was 290, then also 284. Uh, you got to hunt the deer where they're at. And the problem is if you just, you know, put a tree stand up somewhere and just you sit in a tree stand, you know, you could get lucky, but you're hanging and hoping instead of getting on the ground, finding that sign, finding the deer, and then getting elevated. But again, in this situation, like what you're talking about, man, best you had was, you know, some boots and hunting off the ground and, you know, you made the most of it. Uh, trying to learn the area. Let me ask, because you were talking about how you were like really not finding a bunch of sign. What was kind of like the strategy when you were getting on the ground? I mean, you're just pretty much just trying to cover ground till you bumped a deer and just try to get into some cover. You know, kind of what was your approach the first five hunts or so you said you were out there? Yeah, uh, I mean, that's exactly it. Uh, I, I watched the the hunting public a lot, and, and they do a lot of ground hunting. And uh, one of the strategies they use is uh, like a bump and dump strategy. Well, they'll, they'll, uh, they'll, Go through the woods, not necessarily trying to be too quiet, but they're not, you know, they're not stomping around. Uh, but but their their whole thing is just to get into the deer. So you just walk until you find deer. If you bump a deer, it might not necessarily be a bad thing. So that's the way I was kind of looking looking at it, you know, because uh, me hunting on limited time, getting new into it, trying to work time out with my wife, you know. Hey, honey, come on, can I go hunting today? And she's <laughs> like, "Oh, I'll be home by you know, be home by noon." I'm like, "All right, cool." So me, for me, it's just, it was just getting in there. And every time I'd go, if I didn't see a deer the next day, I'd go, I would go further mm -hmm. and I would go further and further until I could find more sign. And, and eventually, I mean, all the dots connected and that's whenever I figured out oh, where the deer were actually at. Man, that's awesome. Let me, let me ask you this. Cause I just, I'm really curious, you know, kind of where you're hunting at and everything kind of in Oklahoma on, on public land, did you notice and well, let me ask, did you notice when you started finding deer, was there anything that was similar in the areas you were finding deer that was common, like a common, whether it was just a little bit thicker vegetation, it was just a little bit farther away from people, or was it random you felt like that when you were running into deer, it was that complete randomness? Well, uh, I think where I saw the most deer was just the, you'd have a, so you'd have these field edges connected through little pieces of timber and fingers, but when when you're in that when you're inside that timber, it's pretty open oak flats. But then you got on these edges right before it opens up into the big open fields. These big, thick, nasty, you know, high stem count, 
just just thickets and and i start started walking around in one of these thickets once and i bumped a doe and i had no idea she was there i mean i was probably five yards away from her i was i was close this was when i was still hunting with the recurves before i got my compound and uh it was actually my first day hunting because somebody had a old uh old raggedy old wooden tree stand they set up in this real mature oak tree and i climbed up there sat up there for half the morning saw a fawn so i decided to and it walked off so i decided to get down and just kind of look around and that's when i found this thicket and i i go in this thicket i bump this doe out and i start looking around and there's i mean there's sign everywhere And, and to me that's when i started realizing okay so this is what they you know, this is what they like to bet in, you know, and, and as a new hunter, this is, I mean, this was a first experience for me. Okay. So now I know what type of terrain they like to hide in. This is where they like to stay during the day, you know, and they might come out early morning, late night, but during the day, this is where they're at. And I, I started, uh, I started trying to find ways playing with the wind to, to set up around these bedding areas. And that's what I did for the next couple of hunts I had. Awesome. Well, okay, cool. So I'll say this to kind of a little foreshadowing. We've got a guest and, you know, by the time someone's listening to this podcast, you know, hopefully we've recorded it. It it, it may not happen, but hopefully within the next week or two, we're gonna have a guest on that. I think you'll really enjoy where he's a, he's a guy who does a lot of in-season scouting and his mindset is he's going into a spot. Even if he thinks there's deer there, deer there, he's going in and he wants to physically bump the deer, see the deer, or see the sign before before he hunts. And that's how he hunts in a very short window of time where, you know, he doesn't have just, a, you know, multiple days or weeks of hunting in a row. And he's not going to waste waste a spot sitting a certain area because it was good last year. He's going to go in, walk it around, find that hot sign, and then set up on it, whether it's the same day or the next day, kind of doing the whole bump and dump thing, uh, just, you know, being really, really aggressive. Uh, and it's interesting because it's been very successful. The guys already killed two, you know, giant deer this year so far. Uh, but um, I, I find that very interesting. Now I'm glad to hear you that that's something that you're really doing, and you're not just. You know, I've seen personally new hunters where they kind of see maybe they take advice from, and it's nothing wrong with it, but maybe they take advice from somebody who um, just hunts a little bit differently, and they just tell they tell you know someone, oh, just go sit underneath an oak tree. Or, oh, just go sit um, on, on in an open area and look for deer. Instead of actually trying to go and find the sign, there's like, go, go sit somewhere where, you know, you can see a decent ways. And that's not always the best thing to be able to go and find deer. And not only find them, but also be able to get opportunities at those deer. So it's awesome to kind of hear your kind of boots on the ground really trying to dive in and, and dive into these spots. And learning a lot, too. Now, I'm sure you're probably, mine's going a million times, a, you know, a minute out there trying to figure out, okay, pick key on all these new things that you're seeing and uh, and also try to figure out how you can build upon it, which we're going to talk to a little bit later after this, after you get done with the hunt. But let's dive into this buck, dude. First off, you killed an absolute giant, absolute giant, dude. Kind of freaked out. I ain't gonna lie. One reason I freaked out <laughs> as well because uh, you sent us an email on it. and dude, the story is awesome. I'm excited to hear the story again on the podcast though. But when you name you sent us the name of the piece of public land, which we're not going to name on the podcast. But when you said it, it in the email, I thought it's the same name as another piece of public land in Alabama. Um, and, uh, I, I'm not going to lie, dude. I was like, anyways, I thought you shot it in Alabama and I was freaking out. <laughs> and, uh, anyways, but I mean, it's still a big deer. I mean, Oklahoma is awesome, dude. And, uh, like you said, I think you're talking about like, it's just maybe that air is really not just known for that kind of quality of bucks. Um, uh, but you were able to, you know, key in on it and, and kill a monster. But dude, 
Can you walk us through like the progression up to that hunt, you know, the night before the day of and kind of like what got you to the point of where you sat up? Yeah, so uh at this point I decided I'm going to I'm going to cross this creek. I mean, and and I'm going to I'm going to e-scout until I find a spot that I think will be good. Well, I'm looking at the map. I find this spot. So you cross the creek and uh you head across this small field to a patch of timber. And uh I I just I'm I'm picking apart this timber you know, on the Onyx app. And I find the spot where there's a little thicket that runs all the way, all the way along the field from one side of the, of uh timber to, to a timber on the other side. So I decide, man, I, I'm, I'm going to set up right here on the edge of this little finger, hoping that a deer will either come down the field towards me, uh, across this little finger thicket, and maybe through it and i could be set up on that and also where i set up there's a real real heavy creek crossing and uh this was just kind of the spot i picked and i uh, i bought borrowed a pair of waders and uh, lone wolf climbing stands like i said man i didn't have anything you know but i got buddies that hunt and they got stuff and they're like yeah sure yeah go ahead so uh, i mean i mean that's that's the beginning of the hunt the, i made it up in my mind this is what i'm gonna do so i get up at I actually got up kind of late, about five thirty. Uh, I mean, that's 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 where it began. Hunting Gear Deals is dedicated to helping the hunting community find the best deals on hunting gear from across the web. Each day, they scour the web for deals, sales, and coupon codes on hunting gear to help you save time and money on your next purchase. Head on over to HuntingGearDeals.com and join their daily deal email list. Each day, you'll receive deals that are emailed to you. Uh, from across the country on the best sales and promos that are going on for that day for the, your favorite hunting equipment. If you're a gear fanatic like us, then be sure to check out their extensive collection of unbiased and honest gear reviews submitted by hunters from across the country just like yourself. Black Friday and Cyber Monday is coming up, so when you're out shopping for yourself or for Christmas gifts, make sure that you check out Hunting Gear Deals for some great finds. Hunting Gear Deals is your number one resource during Black Friday and Cyber Monday for hunting-related deals across the web. During these special sales events, Hunting Gear Deals compiles a huge list of all the best hunting-related deals in one place, saving you time and money. Make sure to go click the link in the show notes to go visit HuntingGearDeals.com and see all the great deals they have right now. This podcast is supported by Mark's Outdoors. If you're from around Birmingham, you know of a, a staple in the hunting community here, and that would be Mark's Outdoors. They've been in business in the same location for over 40 years, family-owned and operated, and they have a reputation for being one of the best bow shops in the southeast. As we inch closer and closer to deer season, if you haven't already, it's time to dust off that bow and make sure that she's ready to roll for this hunting season. Go stop by Mark's Outdoors and check out their archery counter with Mark and Robbie, two guys I've known for years, excellent bow techs. They've worked on my bow since I started bow hunting. They got all the knowledge and accessories that you need to get ready to rock for this bow season. While you're in there, also make sure you check out their gun counter. They got a ton of nice rifles for everything from AR platforms to nice deer rifles and a bunch of nice shotguns as well. They also have one of the best knife selections in Alabama. I mean, really nice stuff. All kinds of custom knives in there and their ammo selection is just unbeatable as well. We're thrilled to have Marks Outdoors on board. We thank them for supporting the podcast. Now we're going to ask you guys to go support them. Cruiser Saddles is the newest addition to companies supporting this podcast. Cruiser is the maker of saddles and saddle hunting gear. 
Uh, me and Jacob actually met Chad, the owner, at our Bozen Brews event in March of 2020. We were demoing a lot of different saddles there from a lot of different companies, and he showed up with his products, which were brand new at the time, and everybody there was extremely impressed with them, including me and Jacob. We ended up getting some of the saddles for this past hunting season, used them all year from, basically we started hunting in August and hunted until February. No complaints, really liked them, the durability was there, the comfort was there, the wearability was there, you know, walking in and out to the stand, so we are very impressed. You can go back to some of the episodes from last year and actually hear us, you know, live through the season talking about these things. We talked about them a lot in the podcast from last year's season. Just really impressed, and we think you would like them too, so go to their website and check them out. We ran the XC, orders ship the same day or next day unless otherwise indicated, and you get free shipping on orders over $300. We really appreciate Cruiser for supporting this show. You guys go show them some support as well. So you, you find the spot, and you're like, hey, I'm keying on this, and it sounds like something that we would call like a – it's got compounding features. You have a bunch of different things that are coming together at this one point, and, you know, it's just a spot that you have, you know, a higher odds of having a deer come by just because you have, again – different habitat edges all coming together it sounds like and you have the creek crossing and you kind of have the open field there that deer could come through but also kind of pinch them down around kind of where the spot is so walk through the hunt so you get you hike in you get set up and kind of like you know kind of go through the progression of the morning all right so uh i set my alarm actually for four o'clock in the morning and i i guess i missed it so i woke up at like five forty-five. so i'm I kind of had all my stuff ready, so I'm kind of fumbling to get out the door, and I get out there, and somebody's already out there, you know, and I don't ever see anybody. Both season, you know, it's usually just me out there. Well, I get out there. It's on a Saturday morning, weekend, of course. I run into another hunter, uh, but but they weren't there, and I'm like, well, I went over to to the creek cross where I plan on crossing and just kind of flashed my light around looking, and I didn't see any boot prints, so I'm like, all right, well, uh, here we go, I guess, so I'm I find a good spot, a good low spot to cross the creek. And I, I cross the creek, get across, make my way along the timber and get to the spot where I'm going to set up. Well, by this time, it's almost it's almost daylight, not quite. So I string up my bow, uh, loop it to my belt and climb up with my stand, get set up, pull my bow up, get everything set up. And I sit there, man, and I'm I'm waiting there probably 45 minutes to an hour sun's all the way up and i started hearing some people talking and i'm looking around i'm like man what the heck where's that coming from and uh i see uh i see four duck hunters one of them had on a blaze orange beanie break through the timber across the field from me where i set up and i'm thinking oh this is a disaster you know, i i did all this planning and i've come here to set up on this spot and here comes these guys but you know they come out of private land and uh, they're actually shooting their shotguns in the timber. And, uh, and I'm thinking, man, I, I think that's on private, but I wasn't sure. Well, anyways, they come stomping through this field, and they're talking loud and hollering and laughing. And uh, I had on a blaze orange beanie. I'm sitting up in the tree, and I, one of them spots me. And I'm glassing them up, just, just kind of looking at them. It's, it's some guys, and they got some little kids with them. And well, they saw me over there trying to hunt this field edge and, and they continued to be loud and hooping and hollering and just, you know, just being obnoxious. They, they didn't pay any mind to, to me trying to set up on deer. And it, I hear, I hear over here, one of them say, uh, he ain't going to see no deer. And, uh, man, that, that lit me on fire, man. I, I sat in that stand. They, they left, kept on stomping through the field and, I probably sat there and stewed for another 45 minutes or so and uh, 
I just decided at this point, man, uh, they're right. I'm I'm not going to see any deer because these guys just come stomp through. I mean, the deer obviously had to have heard that if they were coming this way. They know there's people over there and they're not coming this way. So it was at that point that I decided that I was just going to climb down and pack my stuff up and head home. Man. Yeah, dude, that, that, that would make me f- pretty frustrated. How far were they uh, when they were walking through? Uh, probably about 200 yards or so yeah i did oh man that yeah that would be frustrating and you know that's the kind of thing you know it's public land so you know it's public use as well uh but that god that that would be that that you know that would be extremely frustrating for anybody uh let alone i'll be honest dude you sat there for 45 minutes i know most guys are like all right the second those guys left i'm out of the tree i'm leaving (laughs) so uh at least you stuck it out for a little bit longer um and yeah, you know that, that that's frustrating. But I guess that's the one thing dealing with public land. You know, you, you can't control whoever else is out there and what's going on. But you know, kind of what was some of the next steps? So kind of get on. I guess it was a little bit later on in the morning. Yeah, at this point, it's about nine o'clock in the morning, I'd say. And uh, I decided that. I mean, I was frustrated. This was it. I was gonna get down. And so I I get down, climb my way back down, pack up my stand and my bag, and get my bow in my hand, and you know. I'm just, you know, heads hanging. I'm just ready to go home. And so I start walking back to the street crossing where where I'd crossed originally to get back to the truck because the parking area is just right there across the creek. I, I got out of the truck, found a spot to cross and crossed. And uh, so I'm heading back to the truck. And I remember on, the, on my Onyx map, I noticed there was like a, a creek bend right there, right before I cross. And it's, it's a pretty thick area, a nice thicket and some timber surrounding it. So I pull out my phone, I'm looking at the map, and I'm thinking, man, there might be a like a lockdown buck in there, because we're in rut right now, So, and people are saying, yeah, all the bucks are locked down. It's you know, kind of that, that second lull, you know, after the October lull, uh, where you're just really not seeing much. All, most of the chasing's been done, and so I'm thinking, well, maybe, maybe there's, a, there's a buck in there locked down with a doe. Maybe I can still hunt my way in there and maybe spot one and maybe stock in and get a shot or wait till he stands up. So I set my, it's funny, I, I lay my, my backpack and my stand down in the middle of this field right at the edge of this timber. And I turn, I have a grunt call with me, and uh, I turn and go to head in there. And I hear something to my left, and, and to my left it's a big open field. I turn and look, and here comes a forky and a spike chasing a doe. And they're flying, I mean, they're flying across the field, and they're going right to this uh, the, the, the creek bend, it kind of comes out to the east and then swings around and heads back west. So they're heading to this northern portion of the creek bend. So I'm, I mean, I, I had my stuff thrown on the ground. I'm like, all right, so I'm going to run to the southern spot of the creek bend and hope they don't jump the creek. Hopefully they come back around towards where I'm at and I can set up on them and maybe get one of them stop and get a shot off. Cause I mean, I just, I wanted to kill my first deer. I told myself, man, this is the day that I'm going to kill my first deer. And I told myself the day before, man, tomorrow is the day I'm getting it done. And uh, I was, I was bound and determined that I was going to get it done. So I didn't care if it was a doe, if it was a spike, you know, if it was a legal deer, I was going to shoot it. And I had my mind made up about that. So I, I turn, I turn to my right and go to head in there and I hear something else coming. I turn and look and I mean, I see this big buck and I, at the, at first I'm, Thing, oh, that's a mature eight point deer. I'm like, all right, sweet. But he's coming. I mean, he's coming right at me. 
And I'm just kind of standing there with my mouth wide open, just watching it. And I'm like, this dude's about to kill me. Like, I can't get out of the way. He's flying. I mean, he's in full stride. He's hop, you know, they hit the ground and hop and they go 15, 20 yards. He was flying. I'm thinking this dude's about to run me over. And he, at the last second, he just kind of veers to the left and misses me by about 10 yards. And I, I didn't even think. I just, at that point, I, I shoved that grunt call in my mouth and grabbed an arrow out of my quiver. And I got an arrow in one hand, bow in the other, grunt call in my mouth. And I, I just run in after him. And I, I get in there chasing after that deer and I can't see him anymore. But then I start hearing him fight with those other bucks. So I stop and I listen and I can hear where they're fighting. So I start running that way and I'm running. I mean, almost, almost sprinting. I'm running over there. I'm thinking, man, these deer are so loud. There's no chance they're going to know that I'm not another deer. So I'm running. I got the grunt call in my mouth. Every time I make a real loud noise, I'll just kind of lay down on it. A little, little grunt. I hear the two deer split apart. And then, uh, one of them runs to the South and I hear him blocking antlers with another deer. So, man, I'm running over there to this deer. I'm trying to see these deer, try to catch up with them. And, uh, by that time I hear them split again. And then I hear a splash. Well, uh, I get over there. It's about where they were fighting at, and there were no deer. But uh, it turns out he'd fought these other bucks off, and he's back on that doe. So he's chasing this doe across the creek. He chased her across, and there's a big, thick, uh, just a big thicket on the other side of this creek. And it's probably eight to 10 feet high. It's just real high density stems. It's thick, nasty, but I can hear him chasing around it, and he's grunting at her every couple, se- every couple seconds. He'll grunt, grunt. And I'm thinking, man, I'm I'm getting this deer. I mean, nothing, there's nothing going to stop me from getting in on this deer. So uh, at that point, I jumped down in the creek, wade across, and it's like a 10-foot embankment. So I, I stick my arrow back in my quiver, throw my bow up there, and there's an old fallen tree. So I climb up the tree, get up the embankment, grab my bow, pull my arrow back out, and I've got the grunt call on my mouth still. And I just start smashing through this thicket. I mean, I'm tripping and stumbling around and... I get in there, I'm grunting, and I can hear him chasing in front of me still, and then it gets quiet, and I break through to a little bit of like a, I mean, it, it was still pretty thick, but it was a little less thick, and I can kind of walk around without getting smacked in the face by twigs, and I see this o- little oil silo, and uh, there's a trail that runs along this this area where the silo is, but it's real, real thick, so you can't even see the the thing from the trail, and it's probably 30 maybe 30 yards from that trail and i'm thinking wow i did not know this was here and i I thought it was so awesome i walk up to and touch it you know because i've been by this trail down i've been down this trail you know four or five times and never known about it so i put my hand on i'm thinking man this is so cool and then uh at the core of my eye i see him he he flicks his head up at me looks at me and i'm still standing there with that buck call in my mouth and uh he's looking right at me and I, I was kind of out of breath a little bit, but I was I was pretty calm. I felt all right, and I, uh, I grunted at him, and he turned turned away from me. He's probably eight to ten yards away. He turns away from me, and uh, when he did, I knocked my arrow. I grunted again, and he turned and looked back at me. And uh, so I grunted one more time. He turned front facing towards me, and he's looking at me, and he snorts. He snorts at me, and the wind's blowing in my face, and I could smell him, you know. And he's just a stinky. He's rudding hard, and I could smell him. Uh, 
So he snorts at me and stomps his uh, hoof down on the ground. Then he puts his head down like he's about to come in and charge at me. So at this point, I'm he's not looking, so I'm at full draw. I set my anchor. Still got the grunt call in my mouth, so I grunt at him. And he turns, he turns broadside. And uh, then he looks up at me. And I'm set up on him. He's behind a little bit of a, a little bit of a thicket. It's not real thick. I can kind of see him through it, you know. Uh, so I just trace down his neck to to his shoulder, and I'm set up. I I look at my level, make sure I'm level, and I let it go. And and I I <laughs> it was crazy. I was so calm, and I shot this deer, and uh, he jumps and kicks back and turns off and runs straight away from me in the other direction. So let me ask, what was going through your mind when you were like coming through this thicket? You know, you kind of had your wind in your face. You know, you had heard him, you know, chase around this doe and then all of a sudden you get quiet and you pop up and then he's, you know, eight, 10 yards from you, like still in the thicket, but just like in a little bit more open area in the thicket, just kind of like sitting there, kind of like looking at you. I mean, like what was going through your mind at that point? Well, uh, whenever he looked at me and I saw him, he was looking straight at me and I'm thinking, uh, I mean, I'm right here, and he he still thinks that I'm a deer. So I took that. I took advantage of that because I mean, I mean, he may maybe he thought he maybe he knew I was a hunter, and he just I mean, he just didn't care. He was going to charge in and get it, get after me. But uh, that that was what was in my mind. I'm like, he still thinks I'm a deer. So I, you know, I and I'm I'm thinking I'm going to kill. I got to kill this deer. I'm killing this deer, and uh, I was so determined. You know, little by little, I I got set up and got drawn, and I mean, it was it was crazy. I was so calm. That's that's what's crazy is, uh, you know, people talk about buck fever, and you know, people get the shakes, but I think in the chase, uh, all my adrenaline, I just kind of was. I was kind of just using my adrenaline as I'm chasing the deer. So mm-hmm. once I got to him, I wasn't I wasn't shaking or anything. You know, I I had let out some of that adrenaline, so I was really calm. Uh, my, I mean, my mind was clear. I was thinking. I was checking my steps. Feet are good. Anchors good. Levels good. I mean, I I shoot and follow through, and I mean, it just felt like I was shooting at the target. I, I've, the got, I've got to ask this last question before we kind of keep continue the story. At what did did you notice when you popped out and you saw him? Did you notice? I mean, did you realize how big he was at that point, or did they not click until later? Well, I noticed, uh, I mean, his, uh, his head was huge and his neck was huge, mm-hmm. uh, but I could only see the bottom part of his antlers. So I couldn't see the points or anything because he had like a, he was like looking at me through like a hole mm-hmm. in, in a bush, in, in a bush almost. And I couldn't, I couldn't see his antlers, but I knew that, I mean, I knew he was a big deer. I knew he was a mature deer just by the way he looked in the face. Absolutely. So, all right. So, I'll let you kind of continue with the story. But so, you take the shot, and you know the shot sounds good. He reacts, and you know, kind of what happened from there. Well, uh, I shoot him, and uh, my buddy, uh, the veteran bow, bow hunter, I, I was telling you about earlier. Uh, I sent him a text, like, "Dude, I just shot a huge deer." And he texts me back. He's like, "No way, no way." He's like, "You gotta wait. You gotta wait." He said, "Wait like forty-five minutes." So uh, I'm like, all right. So I, I, then I remember, oh crap! I left my bag and my stand like in the middle of that field. So I I grab my bow and I start heading over to that. I cross the creek again, 
I get across and I go over there to my stuff. I get my stuff and get it all packed up and ready to go. And I start heading back to where I parked the truck. Uh, I got to cross the creek again. So I cross the creek again, put all my stuff in the truck. And I just, at this point, it's been probably, I don't know, about an, almost an hour. I'm kind of taking my time. And, it, you know, I knew I hit him pretty good. I knew it was a good shot. So I just wanted to make sure, you know, that he was dead. I didn't want to go and bump him and have him run another hundred yards. So I put all my stuff in the truck and I text him. He's on his way already because I told him, man, I'd love for you to come help me because, I mean, this stuff I shot him in, it was so thick, man. It might be hard to find him. So he's on his way. He's almost there. I pack everything out or, uh, in the truck and I said, uh, I sent him a text. I said, I'm going to go start looking. So uh, from there, I, I get back to where I was. I make my way back. And uh, I'm in the spot where I shot him at and I could see where my arrow went through. The kind of that real, uh, real thin bush that I shot him through, I could see exactly where my arrow went through because it was the the little limbs were cut off. So I'm looking around. I don't see any blood. I'm looking around trying to find my arrow. I don't see my arrow, so I'm thinking, okay, well, I for sure hit him. Then I know I hit him uh, because my arrow's got to be stuck in him because it's nowhere around. I, I saw exactly where it should have went. It's not there. So I hit this deer. So I get I get to looking around. I'm looking for blood, and I'm not seeing any blood. And I'm I'm walking 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 yards, and I've not seen a single drop of blood. And I'm starting to get discouraged. And I kind of backtrack a little bit, and I stand where he was standing, and I just kind of close my eyes and think when I release that arrow and hit him, which way he ran. So I start walking exactly the way he ran, and I and I find a real fresh knockdown trail, and I start following this trail. I'm looking at my Onyx map, tracking on the map, and I notice there's a ravine just a 100 yards from where I shot him. And I still hadn't seen any blood. I'm heading to this ravine. I didn't see a single drop of blood. I get to this ravine, and I, I look uh, to my right, and, and through a bush, I see his tail. And I, I said out loud, there's no way that this is a deer. And uh, I took one more step, and I'm like, man, that's a deer. And, uh, I kind of slide down into this ravine and he's, uh, he's laying on his right side, the side I shot him, uh, kind of face down with his nose in the dirt and his rack is facing away from me, but I see his rack and I'm like, Oh my God. In a, <laughs> at this point, all these emotions, all the, that buck fever or, or whatever you'll call it comes all at once. And I'm just, I'm shaking, like just shaking like a leaf. I mean, I could I couldn't hold still and I'm I'm freaking out looking around I realize like I'm doing like a double arm flex and just like shaking uncontrollably I start I walk over there and and uh man I start I start counting points I'm like oh my god he has a drop time and everything so I call my friend I'm like dude dude where are you and he's like man I'm I just pulled up I'm here and he's like what's wrong what's wrong I was like dude I found him he's got a drop time he's huge he's huge he's like all right all right all uh, right I'm standing there waiting for him. I'm freaking out, you know? <laughs> uh, but what had happened is I'd, I'd shot him. The arrow stuck in him. When he hit that ravine, uh, he had broken the arrow off inside of himself, and he just kind of bled out right there in that ravine. He tried to jump up on the other side of the ravine, climb out, and he fell down and died right there. My buddy, he comes sliding down the ravine. You know, we're hooping and hollering back and forth so we can find each other, and he slides down into it. And, and he takes a couple steps and he stops and he just puts his hands on his forehead. He's like, boy, do you know what you just did? 
I was like, what? He's like, that is the biggest deer I've ever seen in 26 years of deer hunting. Mm. Dude, that's, that is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, that, that is so awesome. Um, I, I could not imagine, like, you know, just knowing that, hey, it's a, it's a really good deer and then like shooting him and then walking up on that, I mean, is unbelievable. And I think you told me not to take your five. Well, let me ask you: What you had your tactical score? I told you I definitely would get it scored by, um, get it scored by uh, you know Buckmasters, which they don't they don't require a drying period, or you know after the six day drying period, do uh, you know Pope and Young or, or uh, Boone and Crockett? But what what did uh, the taxidermist score it at Green? One hundred and eighty and one eighth of an inch. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> Absolute monster, man. Dude, it is it, it is so big. Like, guys, listen. If you're listening to this podcast right now, uh, by about I don't know nine thirty, ten o'clock in the morning, uh, when you're listening, uh, the the social media post should be up, and we're gonna post some photos of it. This deer is ridiculous. This deer is so big. I mean, and like the crazy thing is, like last week we had uh, we had uh, Chuck Beams on from Alabama who killed a a buck that uh, scored over two hundred inches up in Kentucky. Which is, is a really big deer, and you, your deer is just freaking massive too. It is unbelievable, uh, especially you know it's one of those things like that. I'm sure, like I don't know if you really. I saw you post it on on um, on uh, Instagram, and I know. By the way, I know there's more to the story. We'll have to get some more into the story, but uh, I know you post on Instagram. I don't know if you post on Facebook or anything, or if you even are on Facebook. But dude, that deer is the kind of deer when somebody sees that and they're like, okay, you can just quit hunting. But which I've ne- I, I, I never agreed. I don't understand like that mindset. Like, dude, I love to hunt. I don't care if it's you know shooting. A, it's a hundred inch buck or yeah, like a hundred eighty inch deer. Like, dude, it's awesome no matter what it is. Um, and plus, I love to eat it. Like right now, again, I got a shank down the down brazing yeah. in the oven. Um, exactly. But dude, that is so awesome. And you know, like, I'm over here huh. just smiling while you're telling the story. I'm just smiling because I'm like just imagining, you know, kind of walking up and all the emotion. Like, what was some of the emotion? Like, when you saw what it was and saw how big he was, what was some of the emotion that hit you? I know you said you kind of get the buck fever hitting everything and you started shaking, but, like, I mean, what was, like, really running through your head when you truly saw how big this deer was? Well, man, uh, for me, I mean, ever since summer, I mean, I've been I've been shooting every day, every day, every day, pounding down, just practicing and, taking as much knowledge as I could, man. And, uh, just kind of go back even further in my life. I grew up, uh, raised by a single mom and my granddad, he died at a real, uh, young age for me. Uh, so I don't remember him. So I never really had this, uh, you know, this mentor or fatherly figure in my life. So that's why I grew up without a hunting background. I mean, you know, a lot of things in life about being a man, I had to teach myself how to do it. You know, I didn't have anybody to teach me. And uh, for me to to take up hunting at 28 years old and uh, and figure just figure it out and key it all in on my own and kill I mean I smashed the count the county record I I smashed it and uh, j- just killing a deer alone uh, for me is a huge deal because I did it all by myself and, and I believed in myself but but man uh, and like I told you earlier. I was going to go set up and kill that legal spike. I mean, I had, I didn't care. I would have killed the doe. I didn't care. I wanted to kill my first deer. Uh, but the fact that my first deer is going to be in the record books, I mean, it's the biggest deer ever shot in the county I live in. Man, and I did it solo all on my own with no help. Uh, self-taught <laughs> archery. 
I mean, man, I, I could I couldn't explain to you in words wh- what that meant to me at that moment. I really couldn't. Absolutely. Oh, dude, that's that's probably where I was trying to get at too. Is like I don't know how you would describe that. Like everything going through, you know, even after the fact, and even now, it's just like it's unbelievable. Um, just I mean, not not even saying unbelievable. It's um, it's it's something that's like outstanding to happen. And to be honest, you know, it would be rewarding for anybody to shoot that deer, but also like from you kind of putting in the effort and everything, but also like taking the, the effort forward to wanting to learn how to hunt and also get into bow hunting to have that success, dude, is absolutely awesome. I'll get, I'm, I'm, I'm so freaking happy for you, dude. Cause that is just, it's the coolest freaking thing that sees somebody have experiences like this. And, you know, just being on the other side of the line here, just listening to the stories and, and, and understanding kind of what had happened or trying to understand what had happened. You know, this makes me freaking excited for you because I'm like, dude, I can't imagine that. You know, I've had chances at, at shooting big deer, but again, to go through all that kind of emotion, go through, you know, being successful, your first bow deer, you know, your first public land deer, your first deer period, dude, uh, is unbelievable. But I'll say this. Let me ask you. Well, it, let me, it, what was the, what was the, uh, I, just kind of get back to the story and not get too sidetracked. You know, once y'all found it, I mean, how hard was you know to kind of get them out of the woods and everything? Kind of what was the the next kind of progression from there? Like, I kind of what went, went through your head. I mean, was was it one of those things you kind of get them back? I don't know if you have a truck or SUV or car or whatever, but was it you know you kind of got them back and start driving around town or you know what was the steps afterwards? <laughs> well, uh, it's funny and and uh, this experience first first ever deer harvest, first ever you know legal hunt. I'm not saying I hunted illegally before, but you know, for first ever legal harvest, uh, I go to church, uh, lo- my local church here in town, our, our local game warden is actually a member of that church. And, uh, man, we called him up and my buddies, dude, we got 180, 190 inch deer on the ground. You guys want to come out here? And so, uh, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, cause people call them all the time. Oh yes. Huge deer, huge deer. And they'll get out there and they're like, oh, whatever. Well, uh, it's a the area I hunt is a non ambulatory area, so so we would have had to drag that thing out of the ravine all the way across the field, and then an, another mile around down trails and and all the way to the parking lot, and it would have been I mean that was a it had to have been close to two hundred pound deer. I mean he was absolutely massive. Uh, we call so we call the game warden. We're talking to him, and they said, "All right, we'll come out there." So they they came out there. You know, uh, privilege of being being uh, well known and friends with the with the ga- local game warden, they drove their trucks all the way out there and they came down into that ravine and they were so surprised, man. I mean, I mean, they're they were talking about how you know we get calls all the time. People tell us they killed a giant deer and we get out there and we're kind of disappointed. And he's like, "But man, I tell you what, Jordan, that is impressive." And uh, man, it was awesome. I mean, they were freaking out, taking pictures and everything. <laughs> Well, what's funny is, uh, you know, they almost forgot to ask me for my my license and my tag. <laughs> I mean, they were they were so excited and over the moon about it, man. It it was crazy, and and it, you know, like a, as a first experience, like having them teach me how to how to tag the deer, and and we had already uh, my buddy John walked me through uh, gutting it and field dressing it, but but having the game wardens come out and, and teach me how to how to tag the deer in it and they helped me drag it out of that ravine it took three of us to get out of there and uh we put it in the back of the truck we rode in the back of the game board's trucks with the deer and they took us all the way to our truck and then we got it in the back of my truck and 
strung it up with the rack sticking up out of the top so when i drove through the town everybody'd <laughs> see it man I, I hope i hope and i pray that that every every new hunter old hunter alike man i hope they get an experience like that with their local game wardens and conservationists man because that that's what it's all about and it was it, it made an already incredible experience 10 times better than it ever could have been i mean it was awesome oh absolutely yeah, you know that, that's funny. Um, I've talked to a, a bunch of different game warrants. I actually listen to the podcast and um, you know just I know them personally. And you know, same thing. You know, they get calls about you know, oh yeah, I killed a real big deer, and you know, they kind of know what some of those areas can you know kind of potential is, and you know, they get there and like, okay, you know, it's, it's a good deer, but you know, it kind of gets stuck, it's blown out of proportion sometimes. And that actually happened last year. One of our buddies, um, Zach, killed an absolute giant buck. He was like a 165 inch buck. Uh, on one of these, uh, especially hunts. And it was one of those things like, yeah, dude, like, you know, get when the game wouldn't realize how big it was when he actually went to check it in. Uh, cause he had to take it to the check-in station. Uh, it, you know, just mouth drop and everything else. So, uh, I couldn't imagine them coming down there, like not really knowing what they're getting into. And next thing they know, it's a, it's just a giant buck. Uh, well, Jordan, let me ask you this. Um, you know, we're coming up on an hour here. What is, you know, from this experience, you know, what have you kind of learned from this experience that you can now kind of maybe build upon, especially, you know, later into this season, but also for potentially seasons ahead? Man, uh, I think the first thing I'd say is the rut, man, that thing is like a cheat code. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, those deer were so busy chasing that doe, they didn't even notice me. And I mean, they ran right past me, but I'd have to say, man, uh, just figure out figuring out where the deer are. I mean, to me, in future hunts, man, I just want to find out where the deer are. And and for me, public hunting, man, it is so awesome. Just going in there blind. And in Oklahoma, you can't set up cams in, in public land. It's not legal. Mm -hmm. uh, so you go in there, you're, you're truly blind. I mean, you're going in there, you're looking for a sign. And, and if you don't find it, you keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And, I mean, you know, and, and like, uh, like you hear on uh, – like the meat eater podcast or, or Steve, Stephen Rennell talks about it all the time, man. Sometimes to get, to get the best trophy deer that just, just the best hunts, man, you had to go where nobody else is willing to go. And, uh, that's something, you know, coming from military background, ruck, rucking everywhere, walking everywhere, you know, uh, that does not bother me one bit. I love it. I love the adventure. I love the pain. I love all of it, man. And I mean, I'm, I'm so hooked to this entire adventure of hunting, man. I cannot wait to get back out in the woods and, and get on my next one. I can't wait to climb up that mountain. And then uh, the Washington National Forest, and I hope I have to drag a deer up and down that mountain. I cannot wait for it, man. Awesome. Awesome, Jordan. Dude, I, I'm pumped for you, man. I mean, it, it, this is one reason why I absolutely love doing these listener success stories is talking to guys like yourself who've gone out, they had the experiences, they, they've had this, they have the success – and just walking through it and just kind of, you know, living a little bit in this story and kind of sitting back and kind of thinking about, like, you know, being in this situation, just like how awesome this is, man. Uh, so, I mean, again, congratulations. It, it's an absolutely beautiful deer. Um, of course, you know, any of the listeners, you can go over to social media, and, and, and by the time you're listening to this podcast, unless you're listening to it at 5 a.m. when the episode drops, uh, you'll be able to see some photos of it. I mean, this unbelievable buck. Um, and just an unbelievable experience as well. And, and the great thing is, you know, Jordan, dude, you're just now getting started with your bow hunting. I mean, you're just now kind of getting into the weeds of it, dude. So there's a, there's a lot more experiences to be had. And again, hopefully, 
you know, hopefully in about two weeks or so, have you back on for a, uh, another listener success story. Uh, you killing a buck up in the mountains and maybe using some of that Clifton Denny's uh, travel corridor uh, tactics. Uh, so very, yeah. very interested to see how that plays out for you guys. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't wait. And I, I got a little little plan, little scheme I got going. Uh, <laughs> rif- rifle season actually starts uh, Saturday here. And uh, you know how popular rifle season is. I mean, it's going to be dead for archery hunters. So uh, we've got a we've got an archery only place, public land nearby. And man, I think day one rifle season, I'm going to head out there with my bow and see what I can't find. I, I hopefully I don't run into anybody, and I don't think I will because everybody's going to be switching over to rifles for that. I think uh, 16 days we got. Man, I I just can't I I I can't wait. I look forward to every experience I'm going to have in the future, man. And I'm I'm glad I got hooked when I did. And I have no regrets. Absolutely. Well, Jordan, once again, dude, congratulations. Uh, hopefully, have you back on the show for another listener success story later on this year, maybe even next year, dude. And uh, again, best luck to you for the rest of the season. And again, thank you for coming on and sharing this story on the Southern Outdoorsman listener success story. Thank you, Jacob. I appreciate you hearing me out and listening to my story. Thank you. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman. And thank you to Blackberry Smoke for the music for the podcast. Also, to follow along with us, make sure you check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman. Until next time, y'all stay Southern. All right, guys, we're starting to get kind of close to summer here. And you know what my favorite part about summer is? The Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard us talk about it a lot last year, and we actually got to meet a lot of you guys at that expo. Well, we're excited to announce we're going to be there again. This time it's going to be in Dalton, Georgia, June 28th through June 30th. We are going to be there all three days. We're going to have a bunch of past podcast guests there. We're going to have a booth where you can come by and grab some merchandise. And I'm sure we're going to be recording all kinds of podcasts there. If you're unfamiliar, the Mobile Hunters Expo is the place you need to be if you are the kind of hunter that listens to this podcast this show was literally made for you it is an excellent group of people that are going to be there a lot of whitetail killers from around the southeast are going to be there you're going to get to talk to them shake their hand learn from them in person make some connections and guys we get a lot of questions about hey, which saddle should i get which tree stand should i get what about this piece of gear what about that piece of gear How do I meet other hunters who want to hunt the same way that I do? You know, finding a good hunting buddy. The Mobile Hunters Expo is a place for all of that. So you guys don't miss it. June 28th through the 30th, Dalton, Georgia. We'll see you there.